And I'm so thankful for a place where we come to contribute the energy of our lives, the resource of our lives, all of the worship, kids ministry, everything that's going on happens because we're contributing the resource of our lives to see his kingdom expand. And I'm going to say to you today as we start walking down this road, just to talk a little bit about our fifth core value focus. I, I want you to hear me say it. It is God's will. It is God's will for you to use the resources of your life to further his kingdom everywhere you go. I want you to understand that. And I want us to kind of walk through some things today, but to recognize effectively discipling. It's our final focus in these five elements. And the fact is, if we get the first four in order, then the fifth one kind of takes care of itself. If we're outrageously loving, passionately pursuing, irrationally giving, and consistently submitting, then effectively discipling actually comes naturally as a result. But what does effective discipling really look like? What does it really look like? And I want us to see that and understand that today, and I want to just challenge you to know, if we merely attract people to attend church services and don't truly make disciples, think about what I'm saying. If we merely get people to come to church without truly making disciples, then we are actually contributing to the greater disillusionment with church that our society already has. And I just want to say, not on my watch, not on our watch. We really are serious about seeing people grow in their faith. Today, I'm going to ask everybody just to take a step. You know, every time we come together, I'm using that language, take a step. Take a step forward in your faith, in your pursuit, in your relationship with God. Just grow in your relationship with Him. And, and this is just such a, a statement, and I put it as a blank so that we'd all have to think about it as we're writing it in on our, on our page. So many Christians and Christian leaders aren't even growing spiritually and don't even know that they're not growing spiritually. That's a challenging thought. I mean, we live in, in a, a cultural paradigm that primarily, uh, you know, we derive from what is the norm of society in which you and I live. But you do understand the Bible talks about people who had their bodies sawed in half because of their faith in Christ. And they didn't just die because they wanted us to be able to go to church. And Jesus didn't just die because he wanted us to go to church. Jesus came and sacrificially gave his life so that you and I could follow that sacrificial example to see God's kingdom expand everywhere we go, every day, every week, every month, every year of our lives. Pretty important that we understand that, we see that. And so I want to invite you deeper. Effectively discipling means you being awakened to the deeper purposes of God. And so uh, this Tuesday morning, you might not realize, but Tuesday morning we meet in here at 6 a.m. for prayer. I had somebody this morning say, I didn't know we prayed Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. But we just do a 9 o'clock punch to the atmosphere on Sunday. But 6 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. How many of you don't have any meetings going on Tuesday morning? at six o'clock. That's a joke because a few of us do. Uh, I understand, you know, some of us have kids, we're getting up and so on. But we did that early on purpose. Sacrificial, number one, we wanted to be a sacrificial express and a pressing into God. And then number two, just a time of, of really being able to gather in and focus as a family before the day really launches. And so as we're looking at that, you might not realize we've had more than 50 people at morning prayer the past few weeks. We had a young man who goes to college in Weatherford drive more than an hour to be here at six o'clock prayer this past Tuesday. 
God's starting to do something powerful in our midst. And this Tuesday morning, we're going to focus in on a prayer and prophetic focus. And I just want to challenge you, if there's any way to come, be here. And I just, I just declare, we're going to hear God with greater clarity. We're going to have a time of prayer and prophetic ministry over individuals. But more than that, there's just going to be this contagious awakening for us to hear the voice of God. And we want that not just for prayer on Tuesday. We want that for the church. But somewhere, somebody's got to be willing to pay a price to release that in a greater dimension, in a greater greater capacity, and I know that uh, that's a part of what that's about. So I just want to invite you as we grow forward in this. It's really important that we uh, understand the value of being healthy, spiritually well. You know, sometimes I'm talking and I just uh, I suddenly feel like the Lord is just, you know, almost like the Lord saying amen, <laughs> but it's kind of like God is saying, yep, that's, an, that's important to me, and I, I feel that's important. I don't know if we can even begin to understand the value of being spiritually well. But being spiritually well means we're supernaturally empowered. Not because we're trying to be supernaturally empowered, but because we're desiring to be spiritually alive. It's just such a natural expression when we get in that place. Leonard Ravenhill said, The greatest tragedy ever is a sick church in a dying world. And that is a great tragedy. How many believe we live in a world that really needs the love and the life of Jesus Christ? How many of you carry the love and the life of Jesus Christ within your soul? Do you see that where this connects? We need to put those dots together and begin to recognize. We would all love to see a move of God. Can I just hear from anybody in this room who's ready to see a move of God that sweeps across the nation, transforms entire cities? We would love to see a move of God. But so many times, this is what I've learned, and here's the, here's the punch to that declaration, because I have learned many times we're waiting on a move of God when God is waiting on us. I'd love to see a move of God. Well, I want to just say, let's all stop waiting for a move of God, and let's be the move of God to the five-foot circle in our life every day this week, and come back next Sunday empowered, ready to celebrate even more so what God is doing in our everyday lives. I love this verse of Scripture in Psalms 105, 17. It says, God sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. So here are the Israelites in bondage in Egypt, and they were needing a Savior. And the Bible then describes how God had sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. Now, just very important that we notice, I mean, because we all want a move of God, but I want you to realize from the Scripture, God didn't send a move God sent a man. God didn't send a movement. God sent a man. I want you to know, we are the sons and daughters of God. Can I hear an amen from sons and daughters of God? We carry the love and the life of Christ within us that needs to be awakened, that will transform our world. I was listening to somebody talk this week about how... um, Smith Wigglesworth, when he was alive and he would travel into different venues and events that he would speak at, that literally the the crowd would be in the room packed out waiting for him to come in and speak, and that there was a sense of God's power and God's presence when the man would enter the building. Not when he came into the room, but when he entered into the building. There was something about his ability to carry the power of God in such a way that it would transform entire atmospheres 
everywhere he walked. He would stand on a streetcar, and as he was standing on a streetcar, one story told how he was just standing there, and people on the streetcar just simply began to weep in the presence of God. Have you ever known the presence of God like what I'm talking about? Because you and I are actually called not just to know it, but we're called to carry it everywhere we go. He didn't preach a sermon. He never said a word. He just stood there as a carrier of the presence of God. And people on that streetcar that day began to repent before the Lord their God. Come on, our world needs God. Our world needs the power of God. When we are spiritually well, we become supernaturally empowered, but the problem is we become so distracted in the way we're living our lives that our anointing gets hijacked by our own desires and pursuits. Can I get an amen? We need God to help us keep our focus, and we need to surround ourselves with other people that are contagiously hungry with an appetite for the things of God. God didn't send a movement. He sent a man. We are the move of God to our generation. How many of you don't feel like your life looks like a move of God? Let's just get honest for a moment. I'm waiting. You feel like your life doesn't look like a move of God. That's why this, this Bible verse is so cherished to me. God sent a man. He didn't send a movement. He sent a man before them. Notice Joseph, what? Sold as a slave. So the Israelites, they needed a powerful, influential leader But Joseph didn't go as a powerful, influential leader. Joseph went not as one of the lowest people in functional society. Joseph found himself there in this particular era of time uh, assessed as property. Do you understand? Joseph didn't look like a man of God that would be influential to transform an entire nation. And I believe God did that on purpose because he knew now years later, you and I would be in this room talking about how we feel our lives doesn't look like the harvest God's desiring to bring. But I just want to remind you of something. There's no seed that looks like the fruit after the fruit gives a harvest expression. The seed rarely looks like that fruit. Your life rarely looks like what God is about to do. Stop looking at where you are, negating where God's trying to take you. If you'll just go. You'll become everything he's called you to be. Come on, why don't you just declare it? Let's break some things off today. You have entered the room. You have entered the building. You carry something of the anointing. The seed rarely looks like the fruit that they'll become. See, I'm constantly in a fight. I'm constantly in a fight. Not only in my own life, but more so because of my call to be the lead pastor of this church family. One of my greatest fights is to address your conclusions that you could never be everything God has designed you to become. That's one of my greatest fights. I'm up here today trying to dismantle your conclusions. By the way, conclusions that resolve you can't be who God's called you to become, those are actually called strongholds. Those are called arguments. Those are called vain imaginations. Those are called thoughts and seeds that'll take away your destiny if you allow them to do so. So will you just take captive every thought that's in any way differentiating you from the purposes of God in your life and your destiny and your future? You are mighty men women of God. You are the move of God to our generation. You are the move of God. 
Aren't you thankful Jesus conquered our sin? I mean, we're celebrating, we're singing, Jesus conquered our sin. I'm so thankful he conquered our sin. Now it's up to you to conquer your excuses. Conquering your sin was not enough. Now you have to get convinced that you are who he says. Do you understand Jesus didn't like come out of the womb and, and his first, you know, like they smacked the rear and instead of crying, he said, I'm the son of God, I'm the son of God. You know, that wasn't the case. I don't know if you understand, but Jesus was tempted like you and I are in every way. Therefore, he had to go through a process of discovering who he was and deciding he wouldn't exist as a person that he was not. Do you get what I'm saying? He had to come to the reality. You know what? I'm special. You know what? I'm uniquely purposed by God to impact the world around me. He had to walk through this process. You know what? I think I'm actually the Son of God. No way. Yes, way. Like I'm the way. What? Oh. Can you imagine what was going on in him as he's figuring this out? It's what's going on in you as you're figuring this out. Because through Christ, then, you are introduced to the revelation of who he is in you and who you are in him. And you are sons of God. You are daughters of God. You are the move of God to your world. It's God's will for you to use your God-given gifts to make your world a better place right now where you are. Well, when, when God does this, when God does that, no, no, no. Don't require him to produce the harvest when you are actually the seed. You be the seed. He's called you to be right where you are. He who's faithful with little things will be trusted with much. I mean, there are all kinds of verses and, and contexts that we can see in all of this in Scripture that help us understand. I just believe, I believe today God's having an intimate conversation. I, I felt, I, I just, yesterday, I don't normally do this, but yesterday, uh, Saturday, we try to just focus on family. I try not to do uh, church stuff on Saturday in general. But I just felt the Lord was asking me to come up here and just pray. I was praying over this room. I was praying over the luncheon training that we're having after church and praying over that room. And I was just listening and I just felt the Holy Spirit was saying, tomorrow, today, is going to be a time where I am going to enrich my people to enrich their world. Right now, God's having an intimate conversation, dismantling the excuses that you have chosen to embrace and awakening the purposes that you have yet to understand that he is releasing deep within your soul. He wants to take us somewhere, somewhere beyond our wildest imagination. It is God's will for you to use your God-given gifts to make your world a better place right now where you are. So 90 days has been our emphasis coming into the year. First 30 days, praying for those that God's entrusted to your care. Have you been doing that? You know, you see, okay, these are the people within my five-foot reach. I'm praying for those people by name. Now we're in the second 30 days of the ninety. Now we're asking you to begin to minister to, love on, encourage those people that you've been praying for. Continue to pray and now start to touch, start to encourage notes. Uh, just take time to actually invest in people's lives. How I many of you think that would be a great way just to have a lifestyle that makes a difference in everybody that's within your reach? I mean, like people who know you should know that you're just a generous, loving, passionate person who seeks to see God's kingdom expand in your world. That, that's just the norm for us as sons and daughters of God. So we're stepping into that place, and I encourage you in that, that you would understand God's love in your life 
has the power to transform everything it touches. Are you hearing me? God's love in your life has the power to transform everything it touches. Why don't you say it with me and let's declare the five core value expression. It's the reality that begins with God's love that transforms our life. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. We are so serious about the mission of the church as a family, as a destiny family. What is the mission of the church? So let's just look at that briefly today as we understand the mission of the church is discovered in the mission of Christ. Because the church is born out of Christ. You you do realize Jesus hanging on a cross, he, he was pierced in his side and blood and water would flow. Amazing uh, symbolism and expression of truth in all of this. You, you understand, out of the side of Christ, the bride of Christ was born. You, you see that? You, you realize that was going on? Out of the side of Adam, Eve was born. Out of the side of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church was born. There's something significant going on here as we start to embrace what God is trying to reveal. And he, out of, the, out of his purpose, then we find our purpose with greater clarity. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How many of you are following Jesus? Raise your hand if you're following Jesus. Then you're a fisher of men. And you got to understand, the more you follow, the more you fish. It's just the nature of God's transforming love in your life. If you're you're not fishing, then you got to question, am I following? Like, am I doing the religious thing? Am I just showing up when I can make it to church? It's one of the many priorities I try and put in my life. No, it's just one of the many things you're trying to do. Maybe you're trying to do too many things. You need to step back and evaluate what are the true priorities in your life. Well, that's a priority. I just don't really have much time for it. Well, it's not a priority. Then call it something else. It's a thing. It's one of the things. <laughs> because when you're following Jesus, you're fishers of others. And you're, what that means is God's love's awakened in your life so much, you begin to care about and love people on a level that's well beyond your own capacity, your own ability. He goes on in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and commissions that go, therefore, and make disciples. Everybody say, make. This is a really powerful word when you look at it in the Greek language. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is, a, this is an aggressive expression that Jesus used as he was saying this. What this means is aggressively introduce people to the enriching ways of God. And when people are introduced to the enriching ways of God, they then naturally introduce others to the enriching ways of God. Once you've been forgiven and once you experience grace, how many of you know you step back and you kind of come to a greater reality of grace and you think, you know, we're just all on a journey trying to find our way. I think I got room to be gracious to other people because now God has been so gracious to me. Before you understand the grace of God, you're hard on other people because your own worst critic and that's being born out of your soul you become your own point of origin for being a critic to everybody else effectively making disciples begins in the home begins in the home we're gonna you know we do this daddy daughter dance every year And that'll be coming soon, but we're going to shift it just a little bit this year. It's going to be more of a family dance so that moms and sons can be included. It's going to be a great night. It's always a stellar evening. 
but we're going to invite you during a time when I'm ministering on what it is to be fully known, fully loved, and fully loving family. We're going to do this whole focus for these few weeks about how to walk that out in our home. It's important that we make disciples right within our home. Please don't bring your kids to kids' church and say, I hope they get Jesus there. We are not the answer to your kids' salvation. Jesus is, and he starts with you. Be the parent God's called you to be and lead your family in the way of understanding. We prioritize God's word in our house. We prioritize prayer in our house. We prioritize worship in our house. We don't prioritize things that aren't glorifying to God or dignifying to our faith in our house. You understand? You've got a responsibility. Can somebody just shout amen? This is important that we understand because making disciples begins in the home. It's hard for us to repair a train wreck for a few moments every week. Making disciples begins in the home. So let's go a little deeper on this. Making disciples begins before you make anybody else a disciple in the home. Making disciples begins with you making you a disciple. The first disciple you must make is you. The first disciple you must make is you. Turn the page. Get in the Word. Just every day, turn the page, write the date at the top of the page, start in the book of Genesis. You're not always going to understand. It doesn't matter. You're not reading to get all intellectual. You're reading to feed yourself spiritually. So when you read segments that you're not understanding, just give thanks to God that he's awakening something within your soul. Go online, destinychristian.com. When you get to the book of Leviticus and you think, this book's really not going to matter to me, just watch that one message that we have, Jesus in the Bible. Every book of the Bible has history and context, and Jesus is uniquely revealed in the book. And I personally am perhaps more fascinated with how Jesus is revealed in Leviticus than any other book in the Bible. You might be shocked what you have to learn when you look at the context of what you're about to read and you continue to turn the back. Are you hungry? Do you want to grow? We're not just here to pep you up. I'm trying to empower you to go somewhere. Fruitful Christians make disciples. Do you believe that's true? I mean, you may be hoping that I'm going to win your friends and family to Christ, but I just want to help you understand something, a real basic fundamental element. Shepherds don't give birth to sheep. Sheep give birth to sheep. Now, I've watched it over the years and evaluated this. I've never heard of a shepherd giving birth to a lamb. I mean, there's just a natural order here. You have entrance that nobody else does. God wants to use you to transform your world. Now, so mentoring others. I'd probably wrap it up about now, but I just think the Lord's dismantling some things. I just want to cooperate. Go a little, go a little deeper. Are you ready for that? Because I talk to people all the time, like, hey, uh, will you help this person? Like, you're walking through, you've walked through some things they're walking through. And people have said to me before, well, what if I mess them up? And I usually say something like this, well, what if you help them out? By helping them understand you don't have it all together before you help someone else, that might help them not feel like they have to have it all together when we ask them to help someone else. And it's kind of like the kingdom of God. I don't know if you know, but like Peter jumped to help Jesus out and cut off the dude's ear. You remember that story? I love that story because I, I feel like I'm a little bit like Peter at times. I sometimes get my mouth ahead of where it should be. Anybody like that? Sometimes I get my behaviors and actions out there. I'm real passionate. And then I think, oh, no, what have I done? And you see the dude's ear on the ground. You're like, uh, Evander Holyfield prophecy right here. This is... And so, you know, Jesus never, Jesus never, ever said to Peter, 
You idiot! This is an eerie situation we're in now. Look at this. He didn't say any of that. I bet Jesus thought, I'm sure Jesus was a punster, but he didn't say any of that. All he did was he went over and he took the ear. I wonder if he, you know, wiped the dirt off or if he just said, you know what, this is where the ear came from originally. But I don't know, whatever he did, like the dude had to be holding his ear like, ah, and Peter's like holding the sword like, uh, was this okay? And Jesus just goes over, heals the ear. He didn't, you know, he didn't ever scold. I think God appreciates misplaced passion that gives him something he can work with more than lazy back, I'm just going to wait on God. No, God wants to send you as the move of God. You are the move of God. He's big enough to handle your mistakes if you'll just stay motivated to do what you know to do. I love Peter. His story goes on because it's this amazing story how, you know, he's so bold, isn't he? Like, he's the one that would come to the front and, you know, like, I'm with Jesus, I'm with Jesus. And, man, I love that. that that's, that's me, too. Again, I'm, you know, I'm up here. I was kind of, uh, Laura was standing on one side and Tracy's on the other, and I, and I was afraid Laura's going to bump me with her worship she got going on. And, and so I, I moved ahead a little bit, and then I thought, well, I don't want to get up too far. And I thought, yes, I do. I just step right up. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm ready. But that doesn't mean I'm always on. And Peter said, I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. If I have to die with you, I would die. No, there's no way I'm ever going to betray you. And it's like the next chapter of life. He's standing in the shadows while Jesus is going through the most difficult thing Jesus ever faced. And, and you do realize he's denying the move of God that's taking place on the cross in that very moment. In fact, he cusses to prove he has nothing to do with that person. He has nothing. Uh, I'm not following. Uh-uh, you're, you're wrong. That's not me. And he starts cussing, using a language that isn't his language, just to deny what was going on in the move of Christ. Listen, God never took his eyes off of Peter to bring the inaugural address of the New Testament church, even when Peter was in the shadows cussing doing something that was totally embarrassing. And, I love this, he's up there declaring when the New Testament church is being born, the power of the Spirit has come. Now people are being filled with the Spirit, saved, born again. And what is it that people are doing? They're doing the same thing he did in the shadow. They're mocking and questioning if this is truly the move of God. I'm denying this is a move of God. These people are drunk. This isn't the Spirit. Isn't it interesting that Peter walked through the very thing God would use him to address at a later point in time to help somebody get past their question and doubt? Do you think your past might actually be something God wants to use instead of you hiding it in shame all the time? Maybe he's saying, hey, let's bring this right to the forefront and let's show these people how I can take your worst nightmare, your worst failure, and turn it into a trophy of grace so the world around you can be transformed by the greatest mistakes you've ever made. Wow, that's the gospel. You know that story of Jonah? Jeff mentioned Veggie Tales. It's one of my favorite Veggie Tales stories. Jonah went to Nineveh. They slapped each other with fish. 
It's a terrible place. God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and serve notice on disobedience. And what did Jonah do? He disobeyed. He was called to go address disobedience, and he himself disobeyed. And out of that disobedience, God resurrected what he had purposed so that he would literally show up as the antidote to what they were facing, having walked through it himself. God was using the pain of his past on purpose. God doesn't send the movement. God sends a man. Stop disqualifying yourself. Joseph wasn't a powerful leader. He was a slave. He was a seed that was going to become a harvest. Anybody here on your way to becoming the harvest God's called you to become? Come on, let's stand together. I, I have more to, to say, but I just want to make room for God to awaken His voice within us. Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. I thank you that in our struggle, we discover our strength. Thank you, Lord, that in our weakness, we're made strong. You're enriching us. Lord, you said you're going to enrich us. I believe you are enriching our lives to be those who will enrich others. surrender disqualification like just both hands up in the air if you disqualify yourself you just surrender that I just give that to the Lord I'll stop telling God I'm smarter than God is and tell him what I know I can't do when God says I can do it and I pray Father that you would help each and every one of us in the room come to a greater understanding and awareness that it's not even about the best possible plan we can imagine the biggest possible dream we can have for God will pale in comparison to the very dreams of God about our lives stretch us Lord enlarge us increase us inspire us empower us awaken us Lord to be the army that you have called us to be in a world that so desperately needs to see the outrageously loving nature God expressed in our passionate pursuit as we're irrational about how generous we are, how consistently we submit our lives to your desires, effectively discipling others as they see the example of who we are so they can see your love. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you just close your eyes if you're here say, you know, I need to know that I'm on this journey of faith. I, I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. I, I want you to know going to church, you may go to church a lot, but that doesn't mean that you've really followed Christ and become a fisher of men. If you're here, you say, you know, I'm not sure I, I know where I stand with God. And I want to seal that before I walk out of this room. Just slip up your hand. I just want to pray for you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Just quickly. Put your hands down.
let's all pray this prayer and and I want to be a little more intentional so I'm not just rehearsing a script I want to ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud would you say Lord Jesus you came you lived you died you are the example that I look to to know how to truly find life you're the savior of the world my Savior. Deliver me from my sin. Make me more of the harvest I'm to become. In Jesus' mighty name.